and welcome to National Treasure Hunt, the podcast where the secret lies not only with Charlotte, but also with your co-hosts. I'm Aubrey. And I'm Emily. And happy mid-season seven, Em. Happy mid-season seven to you as well. It is like our own little holiday for a second. I thought you were going to say like happy Hanukkah or something, but... It's not even close to Hanukkah, I don't think. It's not. It And it will, you know, it's not as we're recording this. It won't be when this episode comes out. That's, that's why I said I think. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay, because we are celebrating our own little NTH holiday with a special bonus episode, as we often do. Yes. In the episode we're bringing you today, we had the opportunity to speak with three amazing national treasure hunters. Uh, who I think it's safe to say are super fans. Yeah, you might call this one of our classic super fans episodes. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> you know, we did just do a super fans episode not too long ago, but I think doing that reminded us how much fun they are and how it can be so exciting to get different perspectives because we are so entrenched in our own viewpoints on this franchise at this point that um, hearing other people's thoughts is just truly a joy. Um, it also makes me feel a little less crazy to like remember. You, you might say it makes me feel one step short of crazy mm-hmm. to remember that there are other people who have like watched uh, mm-hmm. these these movies uh, just as closely as we have. And okay, this is a little spoiler alert for the conversations, but my evil plan is working in the wise words of Riley because my Sadusky hatred is percolating through our listenership. Okay. If you want to, I guess, be indoctrinated, I don't know why we would lead into it with that, into Aubrey's Sadusky hatred, um, or just join us on a future Superfans episode where you can talk to me about not hating Sadusky, go ahead and subscribe to our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash ntheuntpodcast. Uh, you can get this. We have three tiers, but you can get this perk at any of our three tiers. Um, we would love to have the opportunity to talk to you. Yes, we would love the opportunity to talk to you and the additional joy of doing it on air for all of our listeners to tune into. Yes, and... Even if you don't want to be on air, you can still find us. We're uh, on Twitter and Instagram at NTHuntPodcast. We have a website, NTHuntPodcast.com. And go ahead and order our book, National Treasure Hunt, One Step Short of Crazy, at TuckerDSPress.com. Sorry to take a little breath in there. I got a little winded. Social (laughs) media shouts are getting longer and longer. For real. Um, okay, but we don't want to take up too much time before diving right into these conversations. I will say that in the past, we have tried kind of having a theme to the super fans interviews, which has been great. You know, we've had great conversations in the past. But today, we kind of just wanted to see where the wind took us, you know, start the conversation and see what unique perspectives and life experiences our national treasure hunters could bring to the conversation. And they did not disappoint. I will say that we spend a good amount of time talking about the films, and we spend a decent amount of time talking about Edge of History as well. And I think, Emily, something that stands out to me in these conversations 
is we really do have between all three of our national treasure hunters, I think a good balance between people who loved and appreciated Edge of History and some people who didn't and kind of offer up some constructive criticism that I'm really excited to be able to share with everyone today. Yeah, I think that was a really interesting uh, kind of through line. And I, I don't think we can make the people wait much longer. No. So without further ado, welcome National Treasure Hunters to the podcast. Hello, hello there. Welcome to National Treasure Hunt. Can you get us started with your name, where you're from, and what do you do? Uh, so my name is Lisa. I am from Ireland, but I live in New Zealand. Um, I co-host and produce a, a film-related podcast called It Takes Two, and I work in museum security. Oh, I cannot wait to get into the museum <laughs> side of things. This is so exciting. But Emily, I know you have our next question, so I'll wait. Yes. Um, so as you're well familiar with, we have a segment where we do screams from Parkington Lane. Really, it started as an Aubrey thing um, to represent how deep Aubrey had fallen down the Parkington Lane pit. And it is now expanded into me and our lucky uh, interviewees. So... I hear you may have a scream to share from Parkington Lane. Yeah, I mean, I definitely had like minor ones in the past year or two, but uh, the one I was going to share is actually several years old. It's from when I first moved to New Zealand. Um, I came here by myself and I lived in like a one bed apartment, totally on my own, didn't have a TV or anything. And I got a job that sent me around New Zealand um, and I had to stay in like different motels. And eventually one of the days that I was working uh, up in Tauranga, I was in this little motel that had a TV. And I thought, you know what? I haven't watched TV in eight months. I have not seen a TV. I haven't turned one on. And I turned on the TV and it was playing the gala scene from National <laughs> Treasure. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. Right right at the Nick Cage um, speech about, you know, being drawn and quartered and, <laughs> and, burned. and I, just thought, I was like, all right, I need to sit down, stop what I'm doing and just watch National Treasure. Oh my Beautiful. gosh. Beautiful. <laughs> I don't know that, that that might be one of our top screams in a while. Uh, <laughs> I have to say. Um, okay, so you you sat down, you 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 watched the movie. Now, from the way you've told the story, I'm assuming this was not your first viewing of oh, no, National no. Treasure. <laughs> okay, so what is your first memory of National Treasure, and what like what made you want to sit down and watch it right when you found it on that TV? Uh, I. Definitely, I don't remember seeing it in cinema. I know I saw it in cinema, but I don't have clear memories of it. Um, but I think I got it on DVD that for Christmas that year. Um, and I'd watched it a bunch of times. Um, my mom is a really big fan as well. Um, so actually, I, the, when I was double checking my memory of that that scream, um, I checked my messages to my mom and I had texted her saying, your favorite movies on TV. Yay. <laughs> But um, I have very clear memories of seeing Book of History, Book, Book of History, Book of Secrets in um, in cinema because they put the wrong movie on. Um, <laughs> they accidentally played No Country for Old Men, um, which I don't know if you guys have seen it, but quite near the beginning, it opens with 
with someone strangling someone with a piece of wire. So I had there was this whole cinema full of small children. Oh my gosh. <laughs> planning to see a national treasure movie and there was pandemonium. Um when this happened and this I think the cinema had to they very quickly cut the film and put the right one on but um I'm sure they had to make a lot of apologies. Emily is appalled. <laughs> Emily is that appalled. would have traumatized me as a child. It was yeah, it was certainly interesting. It was funny because I was there with my um my younger sibling and and their friend and um when the movie started, I think I must have seen National Treasure enough times that I was like, this isn't a National Treasure movie. I don't know what this is, but it's not a National Treasure movie. So they were like, oh, we'll go out and tell um, the people because they were all excited. I think because uh, I would have been a teenager, I think, and they would have been maybe 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. So they had left by the time the strangulation occurred. Um, <laughs> so they goodness. missed that part. But uh, they were all excited to you know, be adults and go tell people that something was wrong. But I just thought it was funny that like, I just immediately was like, this, I don't know what this is. It's not National Treasure. That alone <laughs> is a scream, my dear. Like, <laughs> but an impressive one. Um, so it sounds like National Treasure has been part of your life for a while. Did it influence your choice of career and tell us more about your job? <laughs> um, I don't know that it did. Um, I kind of fell into museum security by accident. Um because I had been, I'd come to New Zealand for a year and then I, my visa ran out. I went to Australia for a year and then I went back to Ireland for a few months. And when I was in Ireland, um, my mom has a degree in archaeology and art history and she wanted to volunteer at the art gallery, the National Art Gallery in Ireland. So I was looking for volunteer jobs for her in the gallery and there was a security officer job um, listed. And when I read the description, I was like, oh, actually, I could do this. And it was only for three months. And I was in Ireland for four months before coming back to New Zealand. So I thought, perfect, I'll earn some money. Um, So I worked there. And then when I came to New Zealand, the day I arrived back in New Zealand, this job was listed at at the National Museum of New Zealand, which is a museum in New Zealand, Te Papa Tangarewa is the name of the museum. And... um, there was a security officer job listed and I just thought, okay, well, I have museum specific security experience. Um, and I got the job uh, based on the fact that I had museum specific security experience. So yeah. um, I, I have to ask, we talked to folks who are obviously like in the archives field or, mm. you know, in, interpretation museum interpretation and things like that and we always like to hear their perspectives on national treasure and related franchises do you watch movies like a national treasure or i don't know we just talked about the show blood and treasure on um our podcast recently or red notice or uncharted whenever you see these these scenes in museums are you like watching it from the security perspective and being like that's not quite right or oh that's actually pretty good or i wonder what i would do in that situation or anything like that (laughs) definitely a little bit nowadays um i don't want someone to come in and steal you know the equivalent of the declaration of independence (laughs) Um, I think I would I would catch that happening, uh, <laughs> hopefully. Um, but yeah, there's definitely an element of of watching those kind of films and being like, oh, you know, um, that's the kind of thing that we learn to pr- protect against. 
Hmm. Um, (laughs) to some extent um I think yeah it it does it does help to inform a little bit but normally things like that I think they deliberately go to extremes of Mm -hmm. you know inattentive security officers and things because otherwise it wouldn't work you know. Oh, you mean who was shooting at who and why weren't they getting along? <laughs> that doesn't happen yeah. in real life. No, no. Well, hopefully not. <laughs> um, All right, uh, let it go. What? It's real. <laughs> I'm asking a real question. So, Lisa, what I'm hearing is that you've just made it your like life goal in security to be better than the people in like the the gala for the national for national treasure absolutely okay good good life goals amazing (laughs) um if you were going to pitch for the national treasure like creative team to have a plot point or like a clue in your museum what what would that what what's like a cool thing that they should work into a script um Oh, we have, uh, we don't have the original document, but we have uh, copies of what is essentially the New Zealand equivalent of the Declaration of Independence, which is the Treaty of Waitangi, um, which was the treaty that was signed between the local Maori iwi or tribes and the crown back in the day. Um, and we have that, we have like big giant copies of it in English and in, in Te Reo Maori, the Maori language. Um, so maybe something to do with that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Okay. I like that a lot. Um, we love a parallel, as you know, on the podcast. Yeah. That's like a beautiful parallel. Have you have you been to the US? Have you visited like the National Archives or anything? I've been to the US, but I haven't visited the National Archives. Oh my gosh. You should you should come on our tour. You should fly all the way here for our tour. <laughs> Aubrey, do you know how long that flight is? I do, but I really think she would enjoy it, Emily. Oh, I'm Lisa. You would you would definitely enjoy it. I just like oh, yeah. prepare prepare yourself for for yeah, the yeah. flight. I mean, I imagine you can, a, even... you can take a 15 hour flight from Auckland to Chicago, and then you just need another from there. That's actually not as bad as I thought it was. <laughs> say the same thing. <laughs> I thought it was like way worse. It takes um the shortest I've done it from New Zealand to Ireland is 27 hours. Because we're literally on the opposite side of the world, but New Zealand to to um, the U.S. is actually shorter. Because I go via the U.S. to Ireland when I when I go go stop over in L.A. Oh. Two two twelve hour flights. <laughs> well, you can tell we're not very good at geography over here. No. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. They leave New Zealand off maps all the time. So <laughs> actually, oh, oh no, weird. that could be a whole that could be a whole national treasure thing about like cartography and like why New Zealand gets left off we did have an idea to do an episode all about like the really random and weird maps that they keep at the Library of Congress so that could be fun um anyway back to you Lisa and your fandom um as you know, we've been talking a lot in recent seasons of our podcast about national treasure and comparing it to Edge of History, right? The latest and greatest in the franchise. And I understand that you rewatched Edge of History recently. Um, give us your thoughts, your take on on this this Disney Plus expansion of our beloved films. 
Um, I enjoy it. I actually liked it a lot better than I expected to. I think when I first heard that it was coming out, I was a little bit in that camp of, you know, they're not bringing back any of the actors. It's a whole different thing. And, uh, you know, why are they making this a series? Um, I think your podcast probably got me hyped up about it. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> which, is, which is good. But um, yeah, no, when I watched it, I, re- I actually really enjoyed it. I mean, obviously, there's going to be little bits, you know, little problems here and there. But I think overall, um, you know, as you know, with the National Treasure series, the characters are the main mm-hmm. drawing point a lot of the time. And I think the characters in Edge of History are actually really, um, really interesting and well-rounded characters. And they have, you know, different complementary skill sets and things. And uh, I just really enjoy watching it. It's a fun, it's a fun show. Well, it's so, f- I, I actually was really interested to hear that you did a full rewatch recently because yeah. I've gone back and rewatched, well, I've seen certain episodes many times and then other scenes many times, but I haven't done a full watch through again yet. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, did you, did you like it more or less the second time through? Did you notice anything the second time through that you didn't notice before? Or did you have like the same experience? Um, I think knowing the Salazar twist changes a lot of um, how you in, what, you know interpret Agent Hendrix's actions from the beginning, where he's being very contradictory and going back and forth with things, talking to Agent Ross. Um, it's interesting to watch watch that performance, knowing what the twist is. Um, other than that, I don't know. Uh, yeah, there's definitely there's definitely. A bunch of different things that happen in it where you're supposed to believe certain people are not what they seem or you know whatever the case would be you know where they're trying to pit Jess and Liam against each other and knowing what the outcome of that is you can you can see the strings being pulled a little bit more when you when you do a rewatch um but it's still still enjoyable and I think you know they they filmed it well enough that you can that you can see those strings being pulled if you're looking for it yeah that's really that's really cool i like the the kind of the idea that you're putting out about how you almost like you're you seem to spin it as like a positive the way that they filmed it where like if you want to watch it with a fine tooth comb right after having viewed it like you can see how all of it is being pieced together Mm. i like that because i think that a lot of people might be like, well, it should, like, you shouldn't be able to tell at all. But I really, I agree with you. I think it's cool to be able to go back and, like, see the way that it was kind of all put together, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And you can kind of kick yourself and be like, oh, why didn't I spot that when I watched it the first time? Yeah, totally. Okay, my other question for you about Edge of History is, okay, I'm distinctly not asking you who your favorite character was, because that's <laughs> a boring question. I want to ask, if if the, like, the National Treasure 3 team decided, like, we want to put one character from Edge of History into the third movie, um, what character would you would you like to see, or maybe you'd be the like have the least objections to seeing because I personally don't know if I'd want to see any of them I just think the universes should remain somewhat separate but like which one would be the best fit um 
I'm I'm conflicted answering this already because when you started asking the question, I thought Oren. Um, we'll put Oren in it, you know, as a guest in Riley's podcast. But actually, Agent Ross, I think, would be the person who I think could see fitting in, especially with Sandusky out of the the picture. You know, you could have Agent Ross stepping up into that role to an extent in the in a, you know, in National Treasure Three, being the FBI agent that's that's looking into things. Yeah, that's it's funny you say that. I was I I kind of asked that question, wondering if people will end up saying that because it's true. We now don't have an FBI agent like tied yeah. to the to the movies, and even Hendricks now. Not only is he a bad guy, but he's dead. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we need someone. Um, and then I, I don't know if if Ross came over, would would Doctor Zeke come over with her? You know. I, I think he would at least cameo in it. You know? Which I think could actually be fun because someone like a Dr. Zeke is almost the perfect fit because he wasn't so important to the show that yeah. like it would become all about him in the movie. Like someone could watch the movie and literally have no idea he had anything to do with the show. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But, well, time will tell. And... As we start wrapping up our conversation today, you know what I'm going to do. We have our classic speed round. I don't know if you're prepared for this, but I'm ready. I am ready to subject you to the National Treasure Hunt speed round. <laughs> are you are you game? Yeah, I'll I'll do my best. Okay, don't worry. Everyone like ends up being like, "Hmm, I'm ruining the speed round. I'm not going fast enough." <laughs> no one goes fast. That's okay if you can't. Okay. First question, what is your favorite national treasure clue? I think it's cl almost cliche to say it, but the secret lies with Charlotte is because it's it comes full circle, you know. <laughs> I do enjoy in Edge of History the Elvis clue, but that's just because I like the music aspect of it. Yes. Amazing. Okay, <laughs> what is the appropriate number of lemons to keep in your refrigerator? I think two, which is less than I think most people say on this. But if you have two, then if you use one, you just need to, you know, you still have a spare one. What is one word that you, Lisa, would use to describe Agent Sadusky? Chaotic. Ooh. Would you care to expand? I like that one. Um, yeah, I guess so. He's, I, I think um, a lot of the problems that you guys have with with him <laughs> stem yes. from the fact that as an FBI agent he should be very lawful and um you know following the law to a letter and and doing things as a police officer or FBI agent is expected to do them in a movie and what actually happens is that he just goes in full chaos a lot of times <laughs> so you don't always know what to expect from him you Amazing. woke up and chose chaos. Yeah, exactly. There it is. All right, two more. What is one location at which you would like to see National Treasure 3 film? Um, I think it would be interesting for them to go to Hawaii. Um, maybe so they to do with uh, King Kamehameha's treasure. Mm. It could be, could be something to explore. I like that. And the favorite child question. National Treasure or Book of Secrets? It's National Treasure. 
It's yeah. National Treasure. <laughs> Lisa, thank you so much for joining us on National Treasure Hunt today. Thank you for having me. Hi there. Welcome to the National Treasure Hunt podcast. Get us started maybe with your name, where you're from, and what you do for a living. Hi, this is Mike Dre. I live in a small cat town called Chillicothe, Ohio, and I am a correctional program coordinator at a state prison. Wow. Wow. Fascinating. <laughs> that is very fascinating. I don't think we have not heard that job uh, come up from <laughs> any of our other super fans on the podcast. So kudos to you I'm for that. The first. Thank you. <laughs> Um, so as you may well be familiar with by now, uh, we have a segment on our podcast called Screams from Parkington Lane. Um, and I've heard that you may have a scream that you would like to share with us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, and we might get this a little, a little bit later, but one of my favorite things about National Treasure is it's a movie I watch with my kids. I have a five-year-old daughter and I have a son that's about to be two. It's one of those movies that that plays, you know, nothing crazy or bad is going to happen. You know, like, I don't think it has any curse words in it. Um, so I was watching National Tre- Treasure with my son about a month ago. He, he's one, but mind you. And uh, we get to Parkin Lane and everyone's walking down, you know, the, the creepy uh, stairwell. And all of a sudden, um, Shaw falls through and he screams and he falls forever. And my son looks at me. And asked me the first question he's ever asked me. What happened? <gasps> oh my god. That's slightly terrifying. I feel like I... as a parent to have to answer. <laughs> what did you say? Oh, I said, it's okay, buddy. It's fake. You know, but he was like, what happened? You know, like, oh my gosh, this guy was just walking and then all of a sudden he falls. You know, <laughs> so it was kind of adorable the way he did it. He was just like, what happened? <laughs> oh my gosh I don't I like don't even know how to follow that up that is you you said before we started recording you weren't sure if that was a scream that is an excellent scream it's literally a scream about a scream <laughs> that's true yeah it's a scream about a scream In that's Park true and it happened during the parking bank uh, scene exactly. and and now that's like a core memory for me to watch this movie is like I always remember this memory with me and my son like every single time I watch this because he was so like engrossed in it, like what in the world just happened? Like everyone's falling and well, you guys know the scene. Like it's just all <laughs> chaos. Total, definitely total chaos. Well, I'm assuming that, you know, in order to have a response prepared for your son, when he asked this question, you've seen National Treasure before you chose to watch it with him. Um, Absolutely. So what was uh, your, like, what's your first memory of National Treasure and why do you, you know, enjoy it so much? Yeah, so actually, um, my first memory of it was uh, my history teacher in the eighth grade um, pulling it out for uh, for just a movie to watch for the class. Um, I think everybody's seen The Patriot and National Treasure in a history class. Um, and uh, one day he chose to play National Treasure, and I remember just being completely engrossed by it and just drawn in by it. And it kind of sparked my love of history, uh, that and the Civil War, because I remember shortly after that studying the Civil War. And then, of course, 
the movie came out in 2007, Book of Secrets, and I saw that in theaters and uh, was completely blown away by that because of its connection to the Civil War. Um, so yeah, that was the first time I ever watched it was in a uh, eighth grade history class. Oh, okay. I love that because we talk so often about how versatile National Treasure is as a teaching tool. And now Emily and I have both seen it in our own history classes growing up. And I think that's like a foundational shared memory that so many of us has that just it just further builds this community of National Treasure fans in a way. Um, I, and as soon as you mentioned the Civil War, like lights going off in my brain, like, did okay, so did you did you really love Book of Secrets or were you super critical of it because of your knowledge of the Civil War? Like, how did you feel about it? So I, I was not super critical about it um, because, and I, I, I'm really into the Civil War. Like, I'm like a Civil War buff. My wife makes fun of me, but it doesn't give in to the lost cause, which I love. It's all about, you know, uh, ben, ben Gates' ancestor did what was right. Abraham Lincoln did what was right, and we're trying to right this wrong. And uh, I just love that. It doesn't like give into um, this false notion of what the Civil War was about. It plays into your family's history with it. Um, so I, I could, I, I feel like I'm rambling right now, but um, I just, you no, know, I, I wasn't critical of it at all. I actually loved it. Um, it. It's hard to choose between like the first movie and the second. If I had to have a preference, I guess I'd go with the first, but. I actually feel like I've seen the second one more. Really? Uh, than the first wow. one. Wow. Yeah. It's just even the scene with Mount Vernon and the president and um, like the way that he quotes um, Abraham Lincoln when he has the president, he gave his last full measure of devotion, meaning his ancestor. I can't, is it Thomas Gates gave his mm -hmm. last full measure of devo devotion? Mm, yep. Um, he, he like quoted Lincoln perfectly with that. And uh you kind of see Ben Gates kind of unhinged a little bit throughout the whole movie. Um, <laughs> you can tell that he's, this whole thing's really got him kind of raveled and uh, unrattled, and I really like that. And even the scene when he's at the White House arguing with, I think it's Nicolas Cage's son, uh, the boy that like is trying to, is talking about the conspiracy of uh, Abraham Lincoln's assassination. Oh, the annoying I child. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I don't know if this is true, but um, I think I've heard or read somewhere that that's actually Nicolas Cage's son in that scene. It's not. It's not. We've it's done not? a okay. deep dive. Uh, it's, <laughs> but but it's actually a kid that that has become famous, like as an actor since. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 But oh my gosh, could you imagine if it was Nick Cage's son? Kalel. Kalel doing that scene. Oh my gosh. Um, did you happen to listen to our episode, our podcast episode, breaking down like the um, the novel version of the book version of of National Treasure Two by any chance? Not not yet because it's on my to to, to be read list. Oh, and I yes. want to read the book and then listen to that podcast. But you guys did an incredible podcast on the ethics of National Treasure. Yeah, and. Like I've listened to several of your podcasts. I'm pretty new to your podcast, but I've binged like a ton of it oh. in the last, uh, I think three months. But uh, that one on, on the ethics, I listened to that one twice. That was incredible. And you kind of go into focus tickets with that one too. 
Yeah. Oh, thank you. Well, first of all, thank you so much for the kind words. We're so glad that you found us and, and that you've been enjoying it. Um, the reason I, I bring up the episode about the National Treasure 2 book, you're really going to like that episode because there are so many additional historical, but also just like plot points that I think if you already like Book of Secrets a lot, this is just going to make you love it so much more. But now that I know that you're an ethics of National Treasure fan, um, now I feel the need to ask. <laughs> Ask you about this like how do you feel about some of the big ethical conundrums here like like stealing the declaration was ben justified in doing it what do you think oh okay so i actually yeah i so w one thing i do with, with my job is um i work with incarcerated adults and in a nutshell my job is to help them leave prison better people and i use national treasure sometimes as like a talking point for moral reasoning um especially in the first movie because ben gates he's all about doing the right thing but you can tell there's a lot of conflict with the way he's talking about it uh -huh. and one of my favorite lines is um when he's talking with riley about the de declaration and about what it means to him and he uh breaks down the declaration one of the lines and he breaks it down this way if there's something wrong those who have the ability to take action have the responsibility to take action and that right there is like huge. And then he also says something like, do what's right, even if others, um, to do what's right, even if others see it as wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, those who considered it wrong in order to do what's right. You, you guys know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yes. And yeah, so I do think he was right in the declaration. And uh, one of the guys I, I worked with pointed out that he didn't use guns. And they felt like he was the worst criminal ever because the first thing they would have done is at least get a handgun. <laughs> and mm. throughout the movie, Ben doesn't touch a gun. He is chased in the cemetery by a guy that has a gun, punches him in the face, has an opportunity to take it, and then keeps running. Um, and it's like, what action hero do you see do that? Yeah. No action hero is leaving guns behind, but Ben Gates refuses to touch one. And I, I kind of like that because... Mm -hmm. He's not about shooting or killing people. He's all about, I'm just trying to protect, you know, history and do what I know is right. I'm not trying to hurt anyone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know who um, would be really, really pleased to hear that you clocked that and appreciated that fact in the movie? Uh, the, true. The director, John Turtletub. Really? Okay. Uh, yeah. So why, why is that? He, in our interview with him, which I'm sure you'll get to when you're listening as well, um, that was one of the main points that he flagged as something that he felt was really important to him when creating the movie and um, making it not just family friendly, but portraying Ben in the exact way that you're describing. He is, he is a morally upstanding citizen. He is not going to he is not going to fall to the level of the stereotypical villain. Uh, the guns thing was something that he brought up, Turtle Todd brought up himself in our interview. Yeah. That's incredible. Wow. That's incredible. So he did that intentionally. I just thought it was, I, I, actually, I didn't know what I thought, because Nicolas Cage in other roles has, you know, in one movie he sold guns, you know? So he's, yeah. he's uh. an actor that doesn't care about that. Um, but yeah, so that just like kind of goes along with his ethics. And I think in the whole series, he hits one guy, but I mean, given the benefit of the doubt, he's being chased by someone that's actively firing at him. Mm -hmm. I think that's the only physical contact he does. And even um, 
um, in the second movie, there, there's no real fight scene between him and the um, and the bad guy in that movie. Actually, at the end, he wants to save Mitch. You know, he wants to save his life. He's not fighting him or trying to make him stay behind. He's at the end. I, I remember him trying to like get through to get him out safely. Mm-hmm. Um, even though Mitch punched Riley in the face, which uh, Riley took that punch really well. I don't think anyone gets some credit for that, <laughs> but he took that very, very well. I love when someone can say something on our show that we haven't talked about before. You have done it, Mike. You have talked to, yeah. you have brought something up that we have never discussed on the show, how Riley took the punch. <laughs> he did. He just kept moving, you know, he just, and that was a really, you know, right in his nose, right? I mean, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. he's probably a tougher guy than we give him credit for. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. <laughs> Emily, yeah, Emily takes any, yeah, she takes anything about Riley very personally. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, I, I hear that in a lot of podcasts echoed. Well, we have, we are consistent, <laughs> if nothing else, I suppose. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I have to ask, based on your professional experience and the fact that you work with within a prison system, did you have particular thoughts or feelings about Edge of History and how Jess breaks her father out of prison? Yeah, so but before we get into that, um, I, I was so excited for Edge of History. And when I watched it, I was like, "What? what is this? This is... Um, this is Gen Z meets mm. one of my favorite movies as a, as a, as a kid. And I was really not into it. Uh, and that whole scene was totally, there was so much wrong with it. I, I can't even begin to tell you, um, like, like the guard shooting at her, um, I, they wouldn't be shooting at her. They'd totally be shooting at her dad because it's a male prison and they're not going to be shooting at her. They're probably worried that she was, um, that, that she was a hostage and oh. it wouldn't just be one guy like shooting at them. It would be several guards locking down the facility and going after him and probably like, like forcibly taking her to another location, you know? Um, but yeah, that whole scene was just like, I, I remember watching the mirror scene and like, I looked at my wife. I was like, what is going on right now? Like, what is this? <laughs> just, and you know, that he got out and then they just gave up chasing him. And somehow he made it to America, and it's like, yeah. The, the, so that whole scene for me was just pretty, pretty bad. Um, I was one of in the camp. I think I talked about one of the podcasts that were just like, just give me National Treasure three. That, that's what I want. Nothing against the show, but that's what I want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, that's so <laughs> fascinating. I feel like we could have a whole conversation with you just about what was wrong with the prison break scene. To be honest. <laughs> I got to refresh my memory with it and rewatch it and take notes, but yeah. I absolutely be down for that for sure. For well, that's, that's so uh, interesting. Oren looked great in it. Oh, the who did you say? Um, Oren. I liked him. Like there was a scene where they're in that van and they're being chased and they're like, go faster. And he says something like, I can't, my baby don't race that. <laughs> I laughed out loud with that, with that line. Uh, I liked him, but everything else is like, all right, this is, and then agent Sandusky, um, I know you guys aren't the biggest fan of him, but uh, how do you become like Saul? You know, he he, um, he has like this weird um, room where that sucks the oxygen out and kills the people inside <laughs> unless you figure out the puzzle. 
I, I just don't understand his character. It, it just, he went from, I work for the FBI to now I'm a serial killer. It, it's yeah. very strange. Very strange. <laughs> I am dying. You just won over Aubrey. Oh <laughs> my gosh. I love that. It's so funny because Emily and I just recorded an episode. I'm pretty sure the episode will go out before this super fans interview does. Um, but we just recorded an episode about what is in Agent Sadusky's storage unit at the beginning of the show. Oh. And like, first of yeah. all, are there any national treasure connections there? But secondly, can we tell anything about him as a person based on what is in his mm -hmm. storage unit? And um, we, we came to some, yeah, we came to some interesting conclusions in that episode, but what why i bring it up is is one of the big takeaways was he is such an amorphous character where we know so <laughs> yes. little about him that by the time we find out that he has this random i like what you said the saw room um like the secret room <laughs> like at some point you're just like yeah i guess he does because we know nothing about him sure this i guess is a thing that could happen like it's it is he is a, a less of a fleshed out character than i would personally like as you know right yeah yeah i've heard you a lot on the show like i still like this guy he he just kind of discusses what's already happened what we already know is happening someone's got to go to prison then like that's all he says <laughs> but I yeah we, we get it love how i am slowly infiltrating the minds of all the national treasure fans with my <laughs> sadowski beliefs this is actually making my day <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. I already feel like this conversation could go on forever, but I feel like we should start wrapping with our customary speed round, which if you listen to okay. our super fans episodes, you know, this is coming. We have to subject you to yes. this. Are you Absolutely. ready to play? I'm ready. Okay, Mike, what is your favorite national treasure clue? Favorite national treasure clue. Oh, that's, that's a really difficult one. Uh, I'm going to say the, the diary, Booth Diary page, just because I, I am such a Civil War nerd. And just knowing that there's a clue on the missing page of the Booth Diary, um, that is just incredible in itself. Awesome. What is the appropriate number of lemons to keep in your refrigerator? Uh, 47, of course. 47 oh. is 47. How have we never gotten that answer before, M? <laughs> oh my gosh, that's amazing, Mike. Truly. All right, Mike, what is one word that you would use to describe Agent Sadusky? Dull. Dull. Yes. I love this. Okay, we clearly have the same brain here. Uh, what is <laughs> what is one location at which you would like to see National Treasure 3 film? Oh, okay. Wow. There's so many. Um, let's see. National Treasure 3. Uh, where would I love to see it film? Um, uh, I, I would like to see Abnatics, uh, how, the Abnatics Courthouse. Um, you know, where Grant, uh, the at least turned into Grant. Um, I know the Civil War is already covered. I get it. But I think that's such an important location to American history. And that would be really cool. And a place that I feel like most people aren't super 
not, not that they're not familiar no with it, yeah. but it's, yeah, it's not like just in the collective jargon, you know, and we have to connect, we're going to have to connect the, the, the story in the third movie back to the franchise in some way. So I don't know, Civil War could do it. Good. Yeah, it's true. And my last question, you sort of already answered this, but I need it for the record, Mike, National Treasure yeah. or Book of Secrets? Oh, okay. That's very difficult, but I guess I'll have to go with the Book of Secrets, um, which I definitely need to read the novel now. Yes. Yes, you are going to have to read the novel. You're going to have to listen to our episode covering the novel because then we also, here's a here's a little teaser for you. We also then asked the Wibberleys, so the, the screenwriters for the movies, um, a couple yeah. of questions that we had to like clarify and we have their answers in that episode as well. I'm telling you, you are oh, going nice. to love that episode. Yeah. I really I look forward to hearing what you have to say about it. Yeah. Oh, I will. I'll message you guys on Patreon for sure. Excellent. All right, Mike. Well, this has been a blast. Thank you so much for listening to our show, for finding our show, and for joining us here today. Yeah, thank you for having me again. I appreciate it. Hi, thank you so much for joining us on National Treasure Hunt. What is your name? Where are you from? And what do you do for a living? Hi, my name's Lillian. I live in Savannah, Georgia, and I'm an accountant. Lovely. Um, so Lillian, uh, we've had the opportunity to speak with you before, um, and I therefore know that you have seen National Treasure a lot. Um, <laughs> you also have a, a number of screams, one of which we recently shared on an episode of ours um i know you might have to kind of like dig through to pull back through your bank a little bit but do you have another scream from parkington lane to share um i have one it may not be the best but we're gonna go for it um so recently i discovered that savannah um the city i live in claims to have the oldest masonic lodge in the u.s um it's a disputed title but i learned that recently and the only thing I can think of is how has this not been incorporated in the franchise in some way, shape, or form, or could it be incorporated later? Um, so that's my current screen. Okay. I just need to say, Lillian, <laughs> you started off before we started recording and even gave a little preview before you said your scream that you weren't sure this was a good scream. That is amazing. That's an excellent scream. That's not the best part. I'm pretty sure it's called Solomon's lodge shut sure. up oh my gosh fairly certain don't quote me fact check that okay well no now you have to go visit and send us a picture of you in front of it i'll have to go do that we might try that this weekend amazing yes. you should see do they give okay this is a really dumb question do masonic temples give like public tours i would doubt it but i mean find out look into that too while you're at it you know <laughs> i mean why <laughs> truly why not don't oh just give her homework <laughs> um she's a true national treasure hunter i feel like she would enjoy it that's true oh i would be down to try it if they would do it <laughs> okay well you gotta let us know that okay okay so um i feel like aubrey and i probably know this but our listeners definitely don't know this um what was your first memory or i guess is yeah what is your first memory of national treasure and 
what is it that you enjoy so much about the movies? Um, so for me, I don't really remember the first time I watched the first one. I vaguely remember watching the second one. I feel like I watched it in theaters, but I can't remember, to be honest. Um, but when I think about the movies, all I remember like growing up watching them was my best friend growing up. We loved the movies. We watched them all the time. We had very active imaginations. We would try to go on treasure hunts in each other's backyards. Like It was our favorite thing ever, and we patiently waited for something new to come along and it took forever and now we've got edge of history still not what we wanted but i'll take it i like that still not what we wanted but we'll take it for now that that was my philosophy as well (laughs) it's progress we'll take any progress truly well do you do you have a favorite character from the movies? I know we spend so much time on the podcast talking about how the characters at first glance seem so simple, but then you can dive into them and they're <laughs> complex and they are the reason for like the heartwarming nature of these films. Who speaks to you in this franchise? Okay, so major character is obviously Riley. Love Riley. I know Emily appreciates that. Yes. Um, minor character is agent dolls um she's in the first movie she's the one the helicopter who says sir it's the hudson nothing's visible um i don't know why i just kind of like her she's kind of sassy to sadusky so and you bring up a wonderful point probably without even intending to we were recently having the conversation of who would be the new fbi agent in a third Mm -hmm. movie because we don't have sadusky or hendrix anymore yeah i don't I don't think she was in the second one, though. She wasn't. But we yeah. did have Spellman, uh, yeah. Agent Spellman in the second one. I don't know. I like, a, I like a female authority figure. I mean, I don't know how you'd feel about Agent Ross from Edge of History. Yeah. But, like, I don't love I, – I don't love – I don't hate the idea of having a, you know, a woman FBI agent leading this franchise. I think that would be a great move if they did it. Because they did seem to try to focus on more, like, female roles and, like, main characters – Mm-hmm. in edge of history so hopefully if we get when we get the third one not if we know we'll get it eventually um yes this writer strike and everything but um when we get it hopefully it is someone different like a female leading the fbi because i think that could be a very cool dynamic i couldn't believe to be honest that they killed off sadusky in the show i mean yeah. how how can you kill off a major character from your franchise if you're still planning on having the yeah. film come back? Especially because there's gonna there will have been so much time between the second and the third movie. You're gonna have to have like every string to pull to get people back in. The fact that Sadesky, I mean, I don't even like Sadesky. The fact that he's gone is like, uh. yeah. And then we know Hendrix isn't gonna be back, obviously, with his plotline so I I have no clue how they're gonna bring that full circle I'm like okay are y'all just gonna do like CIA be random we could do CIA this time could be something different oh or a brand new crew that is really smart another way they could do it since you know Emily and I have been talking about some other franchise like treasure Mm hunting franchises recently and we just talked about blood and treasure and Interpol you know especially if they want to give an international spin an even more international spin to the third Mm -hmm. movie than they even did for the second one Interpol could be a good one to bring in yeah I think that might be something I never thought of before this moment like probably try some a different agency I don't think Mm -hmm. they can FBI anymore um yeah I feel like we have kind of you've 
pointed it out very well here, Lillian, that the FBI is, seems to be a bit corrupt slash like, <laughs> yeah. not, no, I'm not, for anybody who is a government official universe. listening. In the National Treasure yes. universe, the FBI is questionable. Yes. I mean, it like, Agent Ross seems fine. Yeah. But like, yeah. yeah. You, you never know. Um, so yeah, maybe we just need to like, move away from them yeah okay so what i want to know is since edge of history wasn't like as you said it wasn't what you were hoping for but you'll take it (laughs) what in your opinion worked well in edge of history and what didn't um so i did like the callbacks obviously we like seeing hendrix for what it's worth like you know it was nice seeing him sadesky wish he would have survived a little longer um riley was a great little pop in he could have been used more I think um as far as the new characters I don't think I had any issues with any of the new characters like it was different and it still related back enough um I liked the music enough that it was okay like the music that sounded National Treasury the ones with lyrics I know a lot of people complained about that I'm like it's a normal show it's 2023 what do you expect um hate (laughs) to break these it's gonna have (laughs) lyrics in it um but overall, I, I think it was done well. I just don't know why they didn't do a second season. Like, I feel like you spent all that time setting it up. You had to do a second season. And I know back in the day, Disney used to have a rule of like, or at least Disney Channel. It was like, you get automatically three seasons if you get picked up hmm. or something like that. I've heard. Oh. Um, but they didn't do that here. And I don't know if it's just because there was so much backlash. They are so heavily invested in Marvel and everything else. I don't know, but. I really wish they would have pushed for that second season. Yeah, I really I really like that kind of that thought process because I mean, we've talked about it with you, but Aubrey and I have also talked about how like the end of the season just got like infinitely better. Mm-hmm. So it just makes me wonder like what a second season could have been like like if they had just kind of kept going with that like maybe that would have been the standard they started from yeah because they wouldn't have had to go back and do like hey this is this person and this is their backstory and here's how they relate like we got all of that and it was just kind of like a waste not to do a second season um they they have their reasons I don't know but I wish they really would have done the second season it's Disney, right? Like it has to be it has to be that they just didn't make enough money on it, right? Like is that not how Disney makes all of their decisions as short-sighted as that mm-hmm. is? Like they it must not have made the same amount of money as a Marvel property, yeah. which is really unfortunate um yeah. but I guess yeah, I the one thing that you said that that really resonated with me is how you said Riley could have been utilized better. Mm-hmm. I would love to hear your thoughts on that more because I don't know you might have heard on our podcast I shared probably a controversial opinion where I didn't really think he his presence added anything it, it, it there was no it wasn't even relevant to the plot like no they literally got stuck for the whole episode and needed to find their way out like he, yeah <laughs> yeah it, I think it was a way to keep like diehard fans like in the mix of like oh good you you get this guest star you know Riley everybody loves Riley 
but I feel like they could have done something like they could have had Oren listening to one of the podcast episodes and Riley says something and it triggers, oh, this is what the clue means. Like they could have done something more other than him just popping in and saying, hey, yeah, we know Sadusky's birthday because we thank him for not sending us to prison every year. Like, okay. So now we know he he was the one who chose not to send you to prison. Thanks. Kind of pieced it together, but thanks. But other than that, like we didn't get much other than Charlotte's a dog that Ben and Abigail have and they're still together. Yeah. <laughs> That's all we got. We just kind of got like, here's a little bit of a wrap up on the stuff you haven't gotten in 15 years. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Oh and like, gosh. I, they, I mean, when we talked to the Wibberleys, I know they said they had Justin for like a really limited amount of time. Yeah. But Lillian, like what you're saying about like, even if it was just like Oren listening to a podcast, <laughs> like he could have ADR'd a line. It doesn't matter where he is. He like yeah. we have sophisticated oh. recording equipment. Like he could ADR that. He could pop on a Zoom real quick. Like, yeah. That yeah. there were options, and I get that they had limited time, and they probably didn't have enough budget for all of that either. Because I know it's a series, but it's like okay, you could have tried a little differently. Like overall, like I am very impressed with the series, considering it was so different. But I wish that they would have done a little bit better with Riley. He deserved better. I completely agree that he deserved better. Did you notice online how, like, 50% of the populace seemed to think that Charlotte, like, they didn't catch that Charlotte was a dog ever? Yeah, yeah, because I know everybody that was, like, the fake out was like, oh my gosh, they had a daughter and they named her Charlotte. And then it's like, he shows the picture. So if you, like, look away from the screen, you miss it. Um, That it's the dog and everything. But I'm like, that, come on, people actually watch it. Yeah. Totally. Oh, that's so funny. If Had you given any thought to like what you would have liked to have seen in a second season if that had happened? Not really, because I didn't want to get my hopes up for anything and then Smart. like get disappointed. Like That's why when it, when it comes to like thinking about National Treasure 3, I don't have this elaborate plan of what I'd like to see. I just kind of listen to everybody's ideas. But I mean, obviously they set it up as like, you got to hear what's on this tape. I do like that they didn't go into any detail at all because then we kind of know what we'd be missing. But I feel like it would have to be, they kind of have to keep it with the, like, uh, Spanish, like, indigenous peoples and that kind of vibe. I don't think they would do, I think they would kind of try to keep it culturally centered around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, it couldn't be, like, a Watergate, like, a missing Watergate. (laughs) It wouldn't be that. It wouldn't be something random like that. It would be kind of in the same, like, Daughters of the Plume Serpent, but, like, part two. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know i hadn't thought about this until literally right now but i wonder if there's any world in which now that the second season isn't happening mm-hmm. is there any way that they tie together page 47 and what's on sadusky's tape that could be a thought um i don't know did remind me did we get confirmation that the third movie will address even at some way, shape, or form what was on page 47, even if it's not the main thing. Yes. Yeah. Okay, we did get that confirmation. Okay. Yeah, John Turtletop was like, people, I, I I, toyed with not doing it, but people would be mad, so we have to at least say something. <laughs> that movie would not go well. No. <laughs> there would be so much backlash. Um, okay, I think that they might try to find a way to tie it in. I don't see that much of the crossover of the worlds. I don't see them kind of pulling the characters back and forth. But like they could say, 
like Riley could say, hey, those kids I met in Louisiana, they sent me this tape. It helps with page 47. Like, you know, mm-hmm. we worked on it for 15 years and then magically we get this tape and it solved it. You know, who knows? Um, I, I had literally not thought about that until I said it out loud. And, and now that I say it, I see reasons to do it and I see reasons not to do it. Um, yeah. The biggest reason not to do it is they might try to just erase the show, like kind of show erasure. Um, but the reason to do it is it brings Sadusky back into the fray. Like they could introduce him in a flashback or it could at least bring his name back up in a way, you know, like Sadusky's still kind of helping. Will he, won't they helping, not helping with the treasure hunt, you know? Yeah. Cause Riley knows that he has secrets. He saw the secret room. He was locked in it. He almost died in it. Like he knows about all of that. So he's going to have trauma. He's going to have trauma. So hopefully if they do it, they do it well enough to where it's like you still get, like, don't do it and then not give us anything Sadusky related. Because don't yeah. just say, hey, Liam sent us this tape and Liam said this. Don't say, like, we don't care about Liam. He's great, but we don't care about him. We, we want to talk about Sadusky. Yeah, you are speaking my language, Lillian. Um, It seems like you've really, I know you said you haven't put together like robust thoughts on like what a national treasure three should look like but you are clearly such a fan that you notice what works and what doesn't in the franchise Mm -hmm. you understand what people like about it what you like about it um and i'm wondering like if you could give the creative team for national treasure three like one Mm -hmm. piece of advice one thing that they must keep in mind or they must do what would that piece of advice be don't try to recreate the wheel like honestly that's what it boils down to is you had this really great like don't try to incorporate Elvis like off the wall random like (laughs) it it worked in the show enough that like I wasn't completely blown away from it like by it but like try to keep it more historical and something that's been passed down and like um Wilkinson had the booth diary page for 140 years and it magically popped up like stuff like that worked I think and like Secret Lives of Charlotte it was passed down I think things like that work better than saying something that happened 50 years ago mm-hmm. like like because the clue for it to say Sun King like it had to be Elvis that that wasn't that long ago like to pass that clue around I don't like that as much um I think that was one of the things that kind of didn't add up for me so I think kind of keeping it put a limit on when the clues could have been created and go back. I love that you said that because we debate all the time, you know, how interesting is a historical story that's like potentially within like our parents' lifetimes or even our grandparents' lifetimes. I mean, it, it can be cool. And I know there are people who really dig that kind of stuff. I'm just not one of those people, I guess. <laughs> it, it, if they're going to try to set something that, like, not modern, but more recent, don't let it be, like, a valuable treasure, like, gold and all this. Let it be, like, something more intrinsic value. Like, you know, just, like, this means a lot. This is something that was missing. Like, someone stole this artifact, but, like, they stole it recently, and now we found it. Like, something, like, okay, I can maybe make that work, but I don't care about something too recent. 
I, I feel that completely. It's so interesting also that you mentioned the intrinsic value concept because um, when one of the times we spoke with Charles Seegers, I don't remember mm-hmm. if this was on air or in a separate conversation, but he did mention at some point to us that for a third movie, he always thought that it had to be something more ethereal or intrinsic value based because he was started he started to get concerned about like the realisticness of like the Mm -hmm. same people finding three mysteriously vanished treasures um and i right and then emily do do you remember him saying like disney was not really feeling that idea i do i am also remembering the books that prequel books the, the prequel books and how, like, basically none of the treasures in the prequel books were actual treasures. And how that annoyed us at the time. <laughs> so I am wondering <laughs> how it would be perceived. <laughs> that's a good point. That is a good point. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's that's a really good point. Um, I like... I like the timelines and thinking about needing history to feel historical. That is a good takeaway message. Well, Lillian, um, we need to begin wrapping up this conversation and we have to do it with our classic speed round. Are you ready? Oh gosh, I hope so. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You are going to, you're going to crush it. All right. Number one, what is your favorite national treasure clue? Uh, Favorite clue would be the debt that all men pay nice we've never gotten that answer before yes and i can elaborate that if you want me to please i i think the reason it's my favorite is the audience knows it before characters do because we get it in the beginning of the movie and we don't think it means anything we're like oh that the father's dying he's saying it to his son like oh it's so sad and then it comes back around and it's like oh we should have paid attention to that that mattered um it also is funny because when that comes up um, and they're talking about it's a five letter keyword and Riley says aardvark. <laughs> <laughs> um, hilarious. So that is so good. That's a really that's a really great reason, too. Um, OK, the classic question. What is the appropriate number of lemons to keep in your refrigerator? Zero. You just keep a container of lemon juice. Ooh, Nice. Very modern. We love it. Um, what is one word that you would use to describe Agent Sadusky? Loyal, based on what we learn in Edge of History. I'll say loyal. Before that, I would have probably said mysterious. Um, but since we find out that he, you know, did have this relationship with Ben and Riley all this time, I think I'll say loyal. Amazing. I know you ha- you don't have National Treasure 3 plotted out, but I'm going to ask you anyway, what is one location at which you would like to see the third movie film? Selfishly Savannah, because they usually do actually film in Savannah if they use Savannah as a, um, as a place in a movie, or I'll settle for Charleston, South Carolina. I grew up in South Carolina and I love Charleston. So both of those places would be nice. Fantastic. And the final question, the hardest question for the record, National Treasure or Book of Secrets? Okay. National Treasure is the one I'm always going to watch given the choice. But I do like both for separate reasons. If I want to enjoy the treasure hunt, I'm going to watch National Treasure. If I want to enjoy the relationships of the characters, I'm going to watch Book of Secrets just because they're already fleshed out. 
way to get around having to choose Lillian. <laughs> and with such like good rationale too. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> <work> on it. <laughs> I Thank- loved it. Yes, truly. Thank you so much, Lillian, for, for joining us here today, but for being such a, an awesome national treasure hunter and a, a loyal listener. Um, we can't wait to chat with you again soon. Hope to meet you in person sometime soon. Uh, but for now, yeah, thank you so much for being here today. No problem. We are four for four with, and I will say so myself, pretty awesome super fans interview episodes oh yeah and i think this just goes to speak to the super fans themselves truly i mean their opinions and and their ideas are so brilliantly thought out that they are i just it's like they come in and they know what they want to talk about mm-hmm. which, <laughs> which is honestly- great yeah, it makes our jobs so much easier like we're just along for the ride at that point yeah we're just like Give us, give us a moment. Let us hear you talk, um, and we will talk back to you. But I mean, there were some things that came up that I was just like, "Hmm, that's a really good point that I have never considered before." Oh my gosh! You know, one of those moments for me was when Mike was talking about, like, as someone who works in and around prisons, how he watched the prison escape scene in Edge of History and just like sat there pinpointing all the inaccuracies. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I could literally talk to him all day about that that scene alone. Yeah, because I mean, that scene was oof, one of the, <laughs> I, I did not like that scene in general. But then hearing him talk about it, I was like, Oh, okay. So my dislike of this scene can be based on more than just Yeah, we can justify it now. <laughs> yeah. <exactly. laughs> Thanks, Mike. <laughs> um, I really I was like doing little fist pumps in the air when we were talking to Lillian. Um, because she was she was, you know, one of the three who or the one of the three who was kind of the most like neutral about edge of history but was willing to offer up some critiques of it that were constructive Mm -hmm. and you know the first thing she said was like edge of history was not exactly what we as a national treasure community had been waiting for like it it was not national treasure three but it was something and you know i just want to say lillian thank you for that because that is how I have felt through this entire process and like we love progress so like we're getting somewhere Mm -hmm. oh and we'd be remiss if we didn't point out how cool Lisa's job is oh my gosh (laughs) like she lives national treasure I mean every single day hopefully no one's trying to steal stuff from her museum but like nonetheless if I had that job you best believe I would like be playing the National Treasure soundtrack in my brain as, like, my personal theme song all day, every day. Yeah, you can see Aubrey walking in through, like, the metal detectors being like, But y'all, what parts of these conversations most resonated with you? And better yet, do you want to join us on a future Superfans episode? We've got all the details here right now. Yes, so... You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at NTUnPodcast, website, ntunpodcast.com, and then become a patron. 
patreon.com slash podcast. Come and be a super fan. Be on one of our episodes. You can join us at any of our three tiers that are character-based. And uh, you can be on one of these episodes and get a chance to, like, chat with us. So Yeah. So it's quite the perk if we do say so ourselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, um, our next episode, we are back to our regularly scheduled programming. But until then, I'm Aubrey. And I'm Emily. And thank you so much for joining us on our national treasure hunt. Thank you.